on this episode of Startup the Science. We all know that our world is a very noisy place. Acoustic materials are all around us. They're in every car we drive, every building we work in. Our alternative approach to research has led us to develop Soundbounce, a breakthrough for advanced acoustic materials. With superior acoustic performance, it's thin, non-toxic, and cost-competitive. It is more effective at low frequencies, and it can be deployed across many industries. Soundbounce is going to revolutionize the way that we deal with noise in our world. Hello, Imer. Hello, Rona. And thank you so much for joining us today on Startup Science. How are you both doing today? Very well. Thank you for having us. Great. Thanks. It's great to have you. It's been a while since we last spoke, since you uh, participated in an AdmaCom. It's been a few months since then, so I'm curious to see how things are going. But uh, for our listeners who are not yet familiar with uh, with Lyos, maybe you can tell us a little bit about uh, your company, just a, an introduction. Sure. Um, so I'm Rona Tover. I'm the CEO of Lyos, and I'm joined today by Imer O'Carroll, who is our CTO. Uh, our company is based in Dublin, Ireland. And what we work in is advanced acoustic materials. So we have created Soundbounce, and it's what we're hoping to be the next uh, replacement for the old materials that have been used for the last number of decades, like foams. So we can deliver superior noise attenuation without the bulk of the traditional acoustic materials. So a cost-effective, space-saving way to absorb harmful and unwanted noise. So looking to protect people and structures and equipment so the material itself can be used across a wide range of industries. So beyond the acoustic sector into aerospace, automotive, white goods, construction. So we're looking to take on and disrupt uh, quite a large range of, of areas. That's very exciting, and we are um, we're going to keep an eye on the disruption for sure. And I want to get into the material and what that's all about for us. Um, when you were part of Admacom, that was really interesting to to understand what is this magic material. But before that, maybe we can talk a little bit about the problem. Um, not everyone is so familiar with why noise pollution is um, so damaging. So maybe uh, you can share with us a few details on that. What's the what's the scale of this problem? Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, it's been noise pollution now has been defined as kind of one of the biggest challenges in modern cities. Um, cities are only getting bigger and more people are living in more urban environments. Um, so the noise can come from transport, um, kind of, you know, air conditioning systems, anything really that has a motor or makes air move around makes a lot of noise. And we need better, smarter and smaller ways to block out that kind of noise. Um, so noise pollution really affects people's sleep very badly. So that's kind of a big health concern. Um, and the, the World Health Organization has kind of called that out as an increasing problem. But also you have things that can't operate at full capacity. So like trains, as they're moving through urban areas, have to go slower, sometimes half or even less than half of the speed that they can normally achieve because they generate so much more noise at those higher speeds. So, you know, our transport systems are less efficient because of noise regulations. And those regulations, particularly in Europe, but beyond are getting stricter and stricter and really the companies who make anything that makes noise are finding it really really hard to try to keep up with those standards now. Okay so that's something I, I didn't really think about so in trying to keep with with noise standards we reduce the efficiency of 
maybe trains, maybe other devices as well, maybe home electronics as well. Um, so what, what are the materials or the technologies that are being used at the moment that are on the market now? You mentioned foams earlier. That sounds like a pretty low-tech solution. What are the alternatives that we see now? Yeah, so there's kind of two categories of alternative, low-tech and high-tech. Low-tech are things like foams, stone wool, plasterboard, and kind of heavier, thicker materials that can block out the noise. Um, but they, they have to be thick and heavy to block out particularly low frequencies, which are those kind of low rumbly noises that fans and engines make. And then there are high-tech solutions as well, which tend to be very kind of unique or niche in their application. Um, so very much kind of tuned to particular applications. And again, I mean, they're very smart solutions for sure, but not really mass market solutions. So what we wanted to do with Soundbounce is make a material that can compete with the low tech in their ubiquity and in their ease of use. But that is kind of, you know, speaking to the, the high tech side in being really, really effective at what it does. Yeah. And it sounds like that's that's exactly what you're doing. Not only is Soundbounce a great name, it's, uh, it's a really cool name. And I want to ask you also how you came up with it, but it's also a very cool material. So can you describe it for us a little bit? What is this acoustic material exactly? So the Soundbounce material works utilizing two different elements. So we have harnessed the power of thixotropic materials by housing them in a cellular structure of our own design. So these materials, you're probably familiar with them, they're responsive. So they're solid-like when not in use, but they activate and become more liquid-like when exposed to energy. And in this case, we're just utilizing sound energy. So you might know paint, ketchup or honey, these materials appear solid at rest and they flow when you shake them or expose them to energy. And for us, we are just utilizing that sound energy. So the transition from a solid-like to a liquid-like state and back is what we're utilizing to absorb the sound energy. So these materials have been independently tested to absorb noise more effectively at low frequencies, which as Ymir has mentioned, uh, industrially, the regulations are becoming increasingly more stringent around and that's kind of our sweet spot for utilizing our material. So they are more more effective. They sound um, also scientifically more interesting than some of the alternatives you mentioned before. Uh, what is the challenge then with getting these materials, getting sound balance in particular, to become ubiquitous so we see it in, in most products? What uh, what do you perceive as, as the challenges to enter this market? I mean, it's, a, it's an industry that hasn't innovated in decades. It's, it's very comfortable with what it has. And because the industries that we're looking at would have uh, quite strict regulations, disrupting what they currently use is rocking the boat uh, very significantly. So you have to enter quite slowly. You need a material that has that ticks all the boxes that the existing materials tick. So there's a lot of testing that we have to undergo around flammability, fire, smoke, uh, vibrations. So you need to be able to handle an awful lot as an acoustic material, not just the noise. And these industries have been very comfortable uh, utilizing foams and stone walls and rubbers, as Emer's mentioned, for, for years. And the, the tide is changing around those materials. I mean, many of them use toxic methods or materials to be manufactured. Things need to become more eco-friendly and they also just need to be more effective. So these are very traditional industries that you're you're hoping to tap into. Some industries that I would assume you're, you're going into are construction, right? Automotive, aerospace. 
I think we mentioned home appliances earlier. These are all, as far as I know, as you're saying, quite traditional, quite well-established industries. We were recently talking to another startup that was on our podcast in the past, Thermulon, who are doing, um, for making an insulation material, about how conservative the construction industry is and why it's really difficult to change even one element in, in their supply chain. So I'm, I'm curious to know how, how you as a startup are, are tackling that, if there's one industry that you're going for first so that you can have that, that focus and, and manage uh, these challenges. And maybe you can, you can share with us a little bit about that. And then I'd like to go into the background of your company, where it started and how things developed. Uh, but yeah, let's talk first about what is your, your first industry that you're going into with Soundbats? Yeah, so um, you're completely correct. You know, it's a slow build into these industries. And we are really trying to leverage partnership to get into these industries and really like lower the barrier of entry for us. So we will be partnering with a manufacturer, like a chemical manufacturer, to bring Soundbounce to the market. Um, and also for a, a long time now, years, we've been kind of really directly engaging with the, the end user customers as we talked, uh, as we kind of described them. So automotive companies, aerospace, home appliances and construction um, would be the main ones and really trying to understand what their needs are, how their supply chain works, who they buy material from. And what we're trying to do now is to um, kind of solidify a partnership with the people that are the companies that they buy their material from so that we become sort of the next new offering. And these kind of large international chemical companies also have the scale of manufacture, the expertise in manufacturing and the expertise in those regulations that we'll need to meet that can really scale the technology in a way that you know we we wouldn't be able to do by ourselves in any kind of near medium term time frame, um, so that partnership is is really key. Something we're very engaged with at the moment, and we've developed our pipeline in such a way that it has a sort of a waterfall effect. So the the first types of products that will have Soundbent in them on the market will be things like home appliances, dishwashers, washing machines. And these have a shorter design cycle um, and a sort of a, I guess, a simpler integration method and um, kind of moving then to construction, which is conservative, but really um, focused on reducing the thickness of walls. Floor space is, is king in construction, and that's something that we can really solve, particularly in high rise buildings, uh, which there are more and more of. So construction is kind of the next waterfall. And then we're coming into automotive and then on to aerospace. So they have the longer kind of five year design cycles, 10 year design cycles. But we're already working with all of those companies. So the sound bounce is kind of trickling through. And, you know, there are gains that we can make with lightweighting, for example, that we're working on for automotive that are extremely relevant for aerospace. And there's a lot of, kind of complementary aspects to the development um, the development path that we've put together so that we can really streamline our entry to the market because it's, you know, it's no mean feat to bring a brand new material to a, a pretty kind of stagnant market. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely not easy, but it sounds like a very solid strategy. And I like how you've described it, this, this waterfall strategy that it, you start with something that is uh, maybe more, more feasible to, to begin with. And then you go into the, the harder to, to enter industries. So as you already have a pretty clear strategy and um, you know pretty solid technology, we can kind of assume you've been doing this for a while, and we know you we we know you have. <laughs> but for for our listeners that uh, that don't know that, can you tell us a little bit the story of your company? When and how did it all begin? I think some people might be a bit surprised to hear that we've been in business for twelve years. 
Uh, it certainly feels like a lot less than that. But that's that's the journey that we've been on is that we had to, we incorporated our business when we were very young. So Emer and I went to high school together and that's where we met. And that's where our company was born as well. So we incorporated this business when we were, we were just 18. And uh, we've been very lucky to be have such a successful time of it now, you know, 12 years later to still be growing and skating and um, working on technology that we love and also getting to work together. So the the company began its life as a school science project um, brought to an event here in Ireland called the BT Young Scientist and Technology Exhibition, where our love for science and research and developing solutions to kind of complicated problems came about. And we had always worked on sound solutions. We were always working within uh, acoustics, even at that age. We were both very interested in music and how loud noise affected people. So our first uh, our first product, which started as our science project, was a sound therapy for people who experience tinnitus, which is the ringing that you get in your ears after exposure to loud noise. And as part of that project, we developed a sound therapy that people could listen to, which we still sell to this day. And when we we brought that to the science exhibition, people wanted to get access to it. And we said, well, you know, this is a school science project we're to graduate and we want to go to university next. You know, we don't really know how we can develop this further. And I guess now we know um, so many companies are actually incubated in universities, but at that time we were a long way off from that. So we we incorporated uh, that year as a business so that we could continue to further our research. We could sell our technology and kind of continue to work together as well. But it was that May that we incorporated, but that September we both went off to university. So then we were running the business remotely, which was incredibly difficult. And uh, I mean, this was in 2009. Uh, digital health was just getting started. Um, there was no Zoom. And um, Emer and I had a, a difficult time definitely um, trying to scale the company from our dorm rooms. But we've we've been on a great journey since and that we've had excellent support from everyone in Ireland, the Irish government, uh, our local enterprise office in the town we're from in Sligo definitely gave us that first uh, foot in the door that we needed to to get started and actually teach us about business, which we knew nothing about uh, when we were getting going. But I think that that naivety has really helped us to tackle some of the bigger challenges to just push through them uh, throughout the years. And since then, obviously, we've had uh, to take on a lot of investment and we have had great investors who are supporting us throughout our entire journey. And I think now we're at a we're at a point where we've had so much time to work on our technology and we've learned so much while we've been growing the company we're we're in a really confident position with our strategy with our technology uh, with how we want to sell it with who we want to sell it to and I think that's what gives us the sureness that we have now going into the market in a complicated industry that is full of regulation and uh, that hasn't really been uh, disrupted in so long that we can kind of we can push through it because we've we know exactly what kind of business we are what we're selling and who we're selling it to so we know how to push forward and I think over the last 12 years Eber and I have learned a lot about each other and about the kind of company we want to be and the kind of people that we want to have on our team and what kind of environment we want to foster as well so we we know what we're trying to build now and we finally have the customers to to take it on board 
and we know our way forward in the industry. And I think for us, AdmaCom, for any of you who haven't taken part yet, it gave us one of the best moments of reflection that I think we've had in the last 12 years. Imer, I don't know if you'd agree with that. Um, I think so, though. It was the, the first time we ever took a pause and said, so this is everything we've done in a decade. And are we happy with it? And what do we want to change? And how can we improve? And we got the most invaluable insight from some of the mentors there that challenged our perceptions, that pushed us. And I think we came out of Abmacom like fighting really hard for for what we're trying to build. Um, so I think we've we've been on a long journey since 2009 and our founding days, but we're really excited about the kind of business that I think we're we're going to show to the world in 2022. So this is a really inspiring story and I'm so glad that we're interviewing you on our on our last episode of of the season because I I hope many younger people will listen too because I knew you started the company in 2009 but I did not know you were 18 and it started as a school project so that is really really cool I have a lot of questions about that like I knew nothing about acoustic materials when I was 18 so I'm just curious how how come you knew anything about this field at that age what what schools were you going to in Ireland that were that were teaching you about this uh, fairly standard school, to be fair. Um, no, no bells and whistles. Um, but both Emer and I were really into music when we were younger. And we both liked to listen to music too loudly. And Emer played the drums in a band. And, you know, back then we knew that we were experiencing ringing in the ears. And we didn't realize that what we know now, it was actually causing permanent damage to our hearing. And it used to be that if you left a festival, you thought, I had a great time, my ears are buzzing. And we wanted to know why that was happening because we were curious about hearing and how people hear. And in the research that we did, we found out that what we were doing was incredibly damaging. And the way forward was actually to use hearing protection. And then we started looking at hearing protection and hearing protection was not good. The standards were very low and, you know, not everyone can afford a noise cancelling headset and you're certainly not going to get one on a building site. So what we were looking at was what's the way forward for protecting your hearing, for protecting people and structures and for preventing hearing damage in, in children like, like we were, you know, without, you know, kind of disrupting the, the flow of everything that was happening. and. It was, it was there that it started looking at headsets, looking at earbuds and thinking there has to be a better way. And there has to be a better way that's as affordable as a piece of foam because you're not going to use an electronic headset on a building site. It's never going to happen. And so did this dictate to a certain extent what you decided to study in university because you were already committed to this project and you knew you wanted to, I assume you at least hope that you can build it into a company. Did that guide your your decision as to what to what major to choose? Yeah, we both um, we both studied physics at university, and it was that kind of looking at the problem from a physics perspective and how energy is absorbed or dissipated by different kinds of materials and what kind of energy dissipating properties might be useful in a kind of a low cost acoustic solution. You know, that's where we came from with developing Soundbounce. We were just looking at the problem in a way that no one else was. And I think our sort of unique collection of interest in music and experience of hearing damage and studying physics sort of brought all that together to, to develop the technology or kind of the earliest idea and version of the technology, which has obviously grown a lot since. So, yeah, we both we both studied physics at university. 
Um, and it definitely had a big part to play, I think, in, you know, even how we approach business problems, because physics is just teaching you how to solve really big, complicated problems, break them down into smaller problems, solve the small bits and put it all back together again. And like, that's basically how we tackle almost everything we encounter in business, um, sometimes without even thinking about it in that way. But it's a really good discipline for, for that sort of approach to, I mean, entrepreneurship is just continuous problem solving and we have always enjoyed problem solving so it, it's you know it's suited us well uh, through the years yeah good training for for business and and for life it's also <laughs> cost of problem solving before we get to the rest of this episode we would like to take a moment to tell you a few words about one of our admacom sponsors admacom stands for the advanced materials competition and it's our two-week accelerator program for startups in advanced materials Berlin Partner for Business and Technology has graciously been an ongoing sponsor of the program for quite some time now. Berlin Partner's mission is to provide business and technology support for companies, investors, and scientific institutions in Berlin. With customized services and an excellent science and research network, Berlin Partner provides an outstanding range of programs to help companies launch, innovate, expand, and secure their economic future in Berlin. So if you're thinking of Berlin as your new HQ or the location of a subsidiary, reach out to Berlin Partner. They've got your back. Check them out at www.berlin-partner.de. And now back to our show. So um, you mentioned this already a bit, but um, can you tell us what, what stage is the company at uh, now and what are the plans going forward for the next few years, let's say? What are you hoping to achieve? You mentioned partnerships. You, what do you took us through some of the industries you hope to, to tap into. Um, tell us a little bit more about your plans, where you hope to, to take Sound Balance in the next, let's say, two to three years. So at the moment, we're in a kind of a growth stage and um, scaling we're moving from um, kind of being able to provide just prototypes on a smaller scale to be able to provide samples on a more industrialized scale. And that's really going to kind of kick things up a notch in terms of how we can have commercial conversations, the speed with which we can have those conversations and kind of solidifying those commercial arrangements um, on a nearer time frame. So the, the partnership aspect, as you mentioned, is a really big feature of what we're working on right now and will really frame the next few years. Um, so finding that chemical partner and making sure that they're the right partner to bring Soundbounce to the market. And then um, over the next couple of years, working with them to validate Soundbounce within their structures and work on the, the scaled manufacturing with them. And then also bringing in our sort of application side customers in automotive and aerospace and home appliances to work with that partner on specifying soundbounds into their next generation of products and components. So the, the kind of next few years are really about getting soundbounds into products and, and working with the different parts of the market that enable that. And, and making sure we have the right partners to do that as well. You know, a lot of companies now are, are very focused on innovation and new products and, and kind of integrating new technologies. But there's also lots of other companies that are still really like the idea of innovation. Um, but when it comes to it, the commitment isn't quite there yet, or perhaps just they haven't experienced the urgency yet in their own markets. So making sure that we're working with companies who really value what we're trying to bring um, and the competitive advantage that we're ultimately going to give them over their 
kind of competitors in the market is is really important. So that's the the kind of I guess the technical and the commercial side is is around scaling right now. That makes sense. And I also saw on your website in your in your news section that uh, one thing you've you've been involved in recently is a space related project. Maybe you'd like to tell us a little bit more about that. Yes. So the European Space Agency is very focused on improving operational efficiency and reducing environmental impact and any kind of development that we can do in a sector that has very rigorous standards opens opportunities for us in other industries. So working with the European Space Agency is a no-brainer for us. So what we're working with there is the payload fairing, so the nose cone that protects the satellites on their way into orbit. So we are looking to reduce the weight and to enable um, an increase in the size and the mass of the satellites that are launched by ESA. And for us, this was, you know, a really interesting project to get involved in. You know, we were first approached by major companies in the space sector that were looking to work with innovative startups who had the new materials that we could we could bring to, to them. So we're working with the Future Launchers Preparatory Program. And I think One thing that people tend to think when they're looking at space is, you know, the the majority of the companies would be dominated by French and, and German large primes. And there's actually a huge amount of engagement for SMEs uh, within ESA. So if you feel like you have a technology that could actually have an application within space, we would definitely recommend that you, you go to your national contact point and try and see how you could how you could help improve what they're working on and especially because the the sector again is so rigorous it really opens other opportunities for you in in other industries so for us this will kind of propel us further in in automotive and uh, aviation outside of aerospace as well so we're we're really excited about the work that we're doing with ESA and I think it's it's great to be to be pushed so hard as an SME as well Definitely. And I, I heard another company we were working with uh, last year who were working on materials for the space industry as well, saying that they want to test their materials in space first, because if they're validated there, then it's easier afterwards on uh, planetary applications. And I thought that's a pretty, <laughs> pretty good way of doing it. It essentially ticks every box. Yeah, exactly. If it works in space, then it's probably going to work in a car, I'd imagine. I mean, I don't know much about uh, materials from a technical point of view, but you know what I mean. So I also want to ask you, before I go on to ask you about your uh, plans, hopes and dreams for, for the company, um, or plans you've already told us, but more your hopes and dreams, I want to ask you what it's like to be um, a very technical, very, very deep tech startup in Ireland. Um, we have historically, for Admogom, not had a lot of applications from, from Ireland. And while I was living there, I have to say that I was living there this morning, I was actually thinking of Dublin and how much I miss it. Um, but while I was living there, all the startups that I was meeting were software and you know you have all the big tech companies there but again software focused uh, do you feel a little lonely in Ireland or have you been very supported by the um, by the startup ecosystem there I would say it's a combination uh, I mean traditionally you are absolutely right Ireland was the capital of SaaS and if you wanted to Uh, make something within that industry, you were coming to the right place because there were employees spinning out of the bigger tech companies that wanted a change of pace, or you were, you know, you had 
all of the training that was happening for those those kinds of employees who didn't want to go into those businesses in the end coming out of Irish universities. And there are really specific, excellent programs for that kind of work here in Ireland. So it was definitely an kind of an odd way to, to grow the company at the beginning. But what we certainly learned for ourselves was that when you're growing a company like ours, it doesn't really matter where you are. You know, we went over to San Francisco. We've been to every uh, town in Germany, uh, Asia, France, um, the UK. And for us, it doesn't really matter where we're trying to grow our company because our customers are so international. There's no specific base that we can be we can be lodged in. So what's best for us is to be around a community of people who are trying to grow a company to a similar size, and it doesn't really matter who they're selling to. So one of the main things that we have we did used to have was a co-working space that we shared with other companies where everyone had their own office, but you're all kind of a similar size business. And you know the questions that you're going to ask other companies aren't necessarily going to be technical anyway. We have Emer for the technical stuff. What we need help with is, you know, financial strategy, sales strategy, uh, hiring, and, you know, every company has administration, project management, HR, uh, communications. So those are the things that, you know, we wanted to be able to lean on when it came to the community. And if you look at Ireland now, they've recently launched a group called Scale Ireland, which is trying to help deep tech companies that are growing in Ireland to scale farther, faster, stronger, and kind of lobby together to to push Ireland as a destination where you can actually grow a company of that size, not necessarily working in that type of industry that is traditionally associated with Ireland. And I think there's an excellent community of founders, especially female founders here in Ireland, who no matter who you are or what you're working on, you can get help from someone who's just ahead of you, just behind you, wants to work on it with you. And I think that's certainly been a huge strength of ours. And something we we definitely miss over the last uh, 18 months is that community, but it's definitely coming online and I can see it. I can see it growing further at the moment. So I think if you're looking to to grow a company in Ireland, I wouldn't think twice about it. It's an excellent place to do it. It's so small. You know, you know exactly where to find the staff. You know exactly where to find the the companies that you can share with. And there's a great sense of community. I mean, Cade Mila Falta, there's a, so many welcomes when you come to Ireland and the, the startup community is no different. So um, I wouldn't hesitate to to be growing our company in any other location than, than where we are right now. Yeah. And on the technical side, just like a brief add on, like the, the quality of research and kind of technical skills coming out of Irish universities now is really second to none. Um, you know, when we went looking for we needed a partner lab to help develop um, our acoustic metamaterials. There's only about less than 10 um, labs working on acoustic metamaterials around the world. And one of them is actually in Trinity College Dublin, um, which happens to be across the road from our office. So like when we looked at all the different places that we could work with, you know, Trinity and that, that lab in particular came out on top, not because they're across the road, but because they're doing world-class research there and that our team could get the support of some of those world-class researchers and those facilities to really bring on the technology. You know, there's a lot of work in material science, physics, chemistry, mathematical modeling, applied maths going on in, in and around Ireland and in that kind of broader network. 
that I think a lot of people even locally wouldn't know about um, and has really attracted a very international team as well for us. You know, most of our team are international, but really enjoy living and working in Ireland and getting to work on and with kind of really um, smart people and smart problems. That's, that's really great to hear. And it's it's amazing how much can happen in what is a small country. But if you have the, the right people, then uh, a lot of wonderful things can come. And we, we noticed this community spirit that you were talking about, Rona, also when you were part of AdmaCom and you were kind of the catalyst, like bringing people together and you know, we have to share knowledge and share experience. And I thought that was very cool. We don't uh, necessarily notice that with you know, with, with all the startups that we work with, some are a little bit more protective of what they do and they don't want to share as much. But I think the the, the Irish community spirit was definitely <laughs> coming across. Um, so I'd like to ask you, as we're coming close to, to the end of our conversation today, what are your, your hopes and dreams for the company? Where do you plan to take this? You told us where you plan to take it, but if you had even an unrealistic dream to, to end on for the next years, what would that be? I mean, from... Uh, both Eva and I, I think we're we're constantly told we're being too ambitious. And I think, you know, it's one of our, our greatest strengths is that we we don't see any limits to how far we can take the company and to where we can take the technology either. You know, we're looking at an industry that spans not just, you know, one, one type of uh, customer, but it has a, a potential to have the greatest global impact disrupting construction every car you drive, like every plane, every building. And, you know, we really see the potential for our technology to actually do that. And we know it will take some time. You know, these things don't happen overnight, but we completely believe that we will be able to improve the way that acoustic materials are made, used, employed. And we don't see why we can't be within your walls, within your dishwasher, within your car, in your plane. And I think that's, the ambition that we have for the company now is that we know we can be in all of those things and we are we are in it for the long haul that we're going to we're going to achieve that and we have i think some of the best partners at the moment you know we're turning some of the biggest companies in the world into our customers and i think we're delivering outstanding results in our pilot projects over the last couple of years We've brought on board some of the best acousticians, chemists, chemists, mathematicians. You know, we have a really good approach to to innovating in these industries that have been so stagnant. And I think advanced materials are just taking off now. All of the research that's been done within the last 10 years in all of these labs all over the world, you know, so much of the technology hasn't been able to be commercialized. And we know have we know we have something that can be commercialized. And that's what we're pushing, pushing ahead with. And, you know, I don't see why we can't achieve all of those things. It, may, it won't happen in a year. Maybe it won't happen in two, but uh, we're taking it day by day and solving all those little problems that you were mentioned one by one and getting to that next level every single time. And is there anything that you need or you're looking for at the moment, so whether it's investors, partners, maybe there's that one company that you really hope to collaborate with? Any shout outs in case, uh, in case these people might be listening? So we are actively seeking manufacturing partners at the moment. Um, so looking for innovative chemical companies that have a global footprint, are willing to take on new innovative materials and really have a competitive advantage 
in in you know a very competitive market um so we do encourage any any companies that fit that bill or any people within those companies to to reach out to us and discuss collaboration opportunities you can reach out through through our website lios-group.com um or of course you know find us on linkedin um or or ask the good people at enam to to connect us can I also add that we would love to hear from anyone who would like to work for the company. We're always looking for people who are eager to get involved, you know, on the ground with helping us to scale the business, whether that's in management, finance, technical, marketing. You know, we we want to have the best people on board. And if if it sounds like you'd like to, to work here, please, please do get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. And we're hoping to be expanding as, as much as we can. It definitely sounds like a good job opportunity. And I think you you might see some applications coming in. Uh, thank you both so much for, for being with us today. I couldn't uh, think of, of a better team to, to end the season with. So I'm, I'm glad we got a chance to, to talk. And um, wish you best of luck in the next months and years. And we hope to see uh, sound bounce all over the walls or inside the walls <laughs> around us in the next years. Thanks so much, Antonia. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks for listening to Startup the Science. If you'd like to learn more about our podcast, head to www.enum.berlin slash Startup the Science. You can also follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. If you'd like to leave us a message or ask us or our guests any questions, send us a DM or leave us a message on our website. We would love to hear from you. Stay tuned for our next episode. Coming soon. Oh, 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 oh,